0: hey this is alex from xgrowth over the holiday break we're rebroadcasting some of our favorite episodes from the growth colony podcast we'll be back in the first week of january with new episodes but until then we're wishing you an awesome holiday break and thanks for tuning in to the growth colony pod this year all right let's get into today's episode welcome to growth colony australia's b2b growth podcast i'm alex hipwell Each episode we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures. Let's dive right in.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with Growth, and today I'm talking to Iris Law, APAC Marketing Lead at Zoom, about how events and webinars are going to change in 2021 and how should B2B marketers adapt. Now, this is going to be a pretty interesting conversation, not only because Iris is from Zoom, a company that's gone from barely known to a pretty much a household brand, but also because of Iris' experience. I mean, she has 10 years of experience in the B2B IT marketing space. And in addition to Zoom, she's worked at companies like Salesforce, VMware, DocuSign, you name it. She's worked at some of the giants in the B2B tech space. On that note, let's dive in. Iris, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: It's an absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. Iris, let's dive right into the topic. And the first question I wanna ask you is, when it comes to virtual events, right, what are you seeing right now in the marketing space? What do you see marketers doing right now?
2: So, you know, at Zoom, that we actually help a lot of event organizers, basically turn their events into virtual, during basically throughout the course of 2020. And what I'm seeing right now, majority of the conversations I'm having with marketers out there is, typically they start with a question like, should I use the meetings format? the webinars format that's the two solutions that both included in the zoom platform and the difference is meeting is a more i think a lot of people have used it because of the covid situation um in 2020 is the two-way conversation or you can have you know as many as up to a thousand participants into a meeting everyone can show their face they can talk they can mute or unmute themselves they can show their uh, show their camera feed or not show their camera feed all to their own choice it's a multi-way conversation versus webinars, it's a slight different format. It's more, you know, you you get your panelists, you get your hosts, and you get your participants. Participants can only hear the contents from the panelists. They can't really change the audio settings or video settings. They're mainly sitting there at the receiving part of the of the content from a virtual event format, per se. Normally, the conversation we have with marketers right now, however, regardless, you know, if they go with the meeting format virtual events, which enables multi direction conversations, or the webinar format of the event, which is more a one way communication, and you, you can definitely, you know, um, still get questions from the Q&A sections, etc., but a safer but more towards the one way broadcasting format of events, regardless which. Format they go for, what I'm seeing marketers are doing right now for their virtual events is they are going after a solution led planning format. So they think about which solutions I want to go after, and then I'm going to plan my events or my contents accordingly in terms of what the capability that the solution can provide versus, I think, versus a more Experience led mm. thinking methodology. What do you mean by ex- so, what do
1: What do you mean by experience led? Let's explore that a little bit.
2: Sure. So, so I think I think the ideal way of thinking about a virtual event is, you know, uh, now I have this event that I will be delivering in a digital way through the internet, and I believe the first thing a marketer should be thinking is what sort of experience I am creating for my audience. What's a unique values or you know propositions I'm bringing into my events and from there once you have that kind of like core experience you would like to you would like to create for your audience and then you can start getting into the you know search of what the solution can deliver or what the solution combinations can deliver in order to achieve that result but what I'm seeing right now in the market majority of marketers thinking is what solutions I can do? and then i'll create the experience based on the solution i choose instead of instead of the other way around
1: yeah i feel like i feel like there is a little bit of you know it's hard to think outside of the box i feel right now right You'd like we have this this concept this notion of what a webinar is or what an online experience is and it's really hard to go outside of that and be like you know is there is there anything else now i've had this this problem as well. And we've, you know, we've talked about it at our own agency in terms of like, how, how can we go beyond that? So tell me one of the things that, well, actually let me ask this, what do you think is wrong with that? Like, what are, what are the challenges that, that you're seeing right now because of marketers looking at, Hey, what's the solution? And therefore, what can I make? What can, what, what can fit in that, that uh, frame? What are some of the issues with that?
2: I think if you go, if you're, when you design your events and then you start with the, a solution decision, and then immediately you limit yourself in terms of the experience you can create. Is I'm going with this particular virtual event platform and this is what they can deliver, and then you design your whole event based on the capability the solution can, can provide. While if you do the experience-led process, and then you know exactly, then you will have a clear idea in terms of, you know, um, from the contents that I'm planning to deliver, from the speakers I'm t- planning to invite and from the experience I want to deliver, then you have your core values sitting you know, at, in the middle of the planning. And that's the backbone of the events, right? And then you can explore solution or there is um, integrations. You know, There's a lot of companies that actually can deliver with maybe a, co- a, a unique combination of different solutions to help you deliver that specific thing. And then that's, What I believe, I think off the record, we just talked a little bit about after 2020, everyone is a little bit webinar out. You know, it's not, I wouldn't call that the most engaging experience. I think the majority of people, people are craving for the difference. And then how do you create a unique differentiator for your own events? How do you stand out for all the webinars that are happening out there? And if everyone's thinking about, you know, there's five different webinar solutions out there, and I'm going to plan my events. Based on their capability, and um, very easily you get into a me like they like sort of experience. I think that's one thing. And then I think the other thing I'm seeing is when you say you know sitting you know limit yourself in the box in the way that what I'm seeing in in you know with my fellow marketers is you know a lot of us are very very. Experience, including myself, very experienced event planners. And we have our ways of organizing my 5,000 people in person events in, well, I'm based in Sydney, so ICC, um, the convention center. And what what I'm seeing right now, a lot of times, very often these experienced, super experienced marketers and event organizers, they are trying to replicate whatever they've been working in the past in a physical context into a virtual pass. You know, I used to have expert and I'm going to try to move the expert into a virtual format. And then this is my overall, you know, every key components I used to do, deliver in my physical event, I'm going to try my best to convert it into a virtual format. While it's, you know, all in good wills, I think we need to accept that. We need to accept that, you know, the virtual experience is going to be different compared to a physical event experience. And rethink the whole, you know, what, accept what the difference is going to be, and then redesign a whole virtual experience. I think that's key to success.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Xgrowth, an account-based marketing agency with a strong specialization in the APAC market. If you're starting to roll out an account-based marketing initiative in your firm or looking to take your current program to the next level, whether it's one-to-one, one-to-few, or one-to-many, don't try to do it all alone. Chat with the ABM experts at Xgrowth to see how they can help you both on strategy and execution of your next ABM campaign. To find out more, head to www.xgrowth.com.au. That's www.xgrowth.com.au. Let's get back to the podcast.
1: Now, one of the things that you talk about, which which is a nice segue from what is what is going wrong to what can people could potentially think about and adapt their their events is are hybrid events, right? What are what are your thoughts on on hybrid event, events being the next thing?
2: Well, I think hybrid event is the inevitable trend in this market. Like we we need to start thinking of a hybrid event. You know, we need to start. I think uh, people. Uh, I think hybrid events going to unlock so many potential, so much potentials for the event space. You know, all the way from inviting a oversea or renowned international speakers into your events, and that can be done in a more Cost-effective way, and also getting your assets into delegates, event participants from different parts of the world. It's really the hybrid format, really going to extend the reach of that event. Your physical event can do, but what when when we're talking about hybrid events right now? When I talk to my marketing peers right now, I think very often that I have seen. They think about hybrid events as seeing a way that I will have a physical presence at the venue somewhere with a group of people that will be attending these events physically. And then I will have a virtual component to it. Then, you know, the the, the content will be broadcast through certain channels into, you know, via, yeah, internet, via live Facebook Live. We'll yeah. Facebook
1: Live. And yeah, yeah.
2: And all these different different vehicles and then reach people, who whoever's going to watch those parts, uh, watch those contents online. What I'm seeing gap is then, then if we follow that model, then, then you've got a community who is physically on site and then you've got a community who is consuming those contents online. My question will be in order to get to a true definition of hybrid events, should we have two communities mm. one on site one online or should we have one community that you know everyone can talk to each other regardless where they are and what's the true definition of a hybrid event
1: so how would you approach it i'm 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 super curious as well so what would be and i've and i've heard this this uh, definition that you talk about what would what would be your approach or you know or maybe have you seen anyone doing it really well? Or yeah, what, what are what kind of direction would you give someone who's like, yeah, you know, I don't want to do that kind of hybrid event, and but I, but I want to do something that that gives a true experience or or, or the audience really experience something unique. What, what, what? how should how should marketers think about it and approach it?
2: So. I think there's a couple things that marketers should be thinking about when it comes to planning a hybrid event. And, and, and to answer your question, I think it's a little bit too early mm. to really give a good example of a hybrid event that, given that, you know, we are in Australia and we are ahead of the Yeah, Everybody's and still. And the events are just coming back, right? So it's still early days. I will be curious myself to see marketers and event planners are doing hybrid events. In 2021, Mm. I think that will be some, that definitely going to be some innovative things that are happening there that, you know, I'm looking forward to see it. But I think the, the first thing, go back to my point, the first, the most important thing is to form that one community, regardless if they are joining the event physically or they're joining the event virtually. And then, so basically, if there's a gap, the two groups are not talking to each other. How do you bridge that? Technology is definitely the answer to it. Um, but in terms of how do you actually think about facilitating conversations between that two groups or even your renowned international speakers? How do you actually get them to talk to maybe beyond that one way delivery of a presentation or a keynote? How do you facilitate more a two way conversation between a international speakers with versus, you know, with on site audience with the online audience? Um, how do you make your on site audience talk to your online audience? How do you make that? one community instead of two separate ones i think that's the first thing that every um, event organizer should be thinking about and then the other thing is how do you design the experience so your online delegates don't feel like they're the tier two citizen
1: Mm, right you know
2: i'm only getting the next best experience interestingly, not so much related to the event space, but um, at Zoom, we are thinking exactly the same thing for all the remote workers. So what we're trying to do, because we believe in the the more business working context, we believe that hybrid work model is going to be the future. And what we are doing right now to improve our platform and our technology is we don't want our remote worker to feel like they're tier two. You know, if you're dialing in, into a meetings from home. Well, you have, for example, you know, this is actually one of our recent features we just announced um, called Smart Gallery. So basically, what what it is is, if I'm working from home, for example, and I'm dialing in to join a meetings with a group of my colleagues that's sitting in the in the meeting room in the office. Traditionally, that what I would see on my camera is going to be, you know, a feed into the uh, in the meeting room with maybe five of my colleagues sitting there. And what Smart Gallery does right now is they're putting additional cameras there and then capture individuals' face right. within the same meeting room and then they push the basically the, this individual video feeds into everybody's face and then present it to me in a gallery. So the whole Very purpose cool. of doing that is so I don't feel like I'm a second-tier citizen just because I'm working from home, then I have the urge to, you know, next time when I have a meeting like this, I should be sitting in the same room with everyone else. And I think go back to the event planning, it's the same mindset everyone should have. So if I'm joining virtually, that I don't feel like I'm only getting the second best experience. Of course that you need to, I think one should also accept that the on-site and online experience is going to be different. But how do you create that unique value or uh, the unique experience? I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe your virtual event experience is going to be definitely going to be different from your physical event experience, but they will have it, its own benefits, its own uniqueness that I will still, you know, I will recognize it and I will accept it, but I don't feel like I'm not, you know, if the physical, you know, if the people who is attending the, the event physically is getting 95%. And then, experience. yeah, the other ones are getting and then five. You, I'm getting, yeah, and I'm getting, you know, 20. So I think that's that's what you um, we need to think about. And then the other thing is I think, you know, especially when it comes towards the end of 2020, a lot of event, experience, uh, event organizers are kind of like getting more sophisticated into the virtual event. What we've seen is they're putting a lot more focus on the production level of their virtual events. So instead of, you know, presenting, getting a presenters to present from their living rooms or their dining tables or their studies, um, they're hiring professional, you know, AV crew, bringing speakers into a um, studio, doing a professional filming. But when it comes to delivery, although the production level is really high, the, the, sh- the, the presentation or delivery or the live stream is gonna look extremely sophisticated, there's still one-way communication. You know, we you do this great quality content and then you basically broadcast it out via a virtual format. Then 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 if you do it that way, then, then you uh, immediately put yourself not only in competition with other virtual events, but also with TV shows, podcasts, because, you know, what's unique from an events perspective is the conversation, it's the connection. It's a two-way communication, in my opinion. And if you're only focusing on the quality of the production and they're not thinking about how to facilitate that true value that the event would typically bring, then then you actually get yourself into a great, greater competitive um, landscape with other likewise, you know, one-way broadcasting content.
1: Yeah, right, right. I mean, look, a lot of the points that you... I, the, the, the solid points, solid points. I mean, you know, going back to your the analogy that you gave about somebody attending a meeting five people in one room. And then there's John who, you know, Johnny's logging in from home or Johnny's logging from a different location. And it's like, at the beginning, it's like, all right, let, let somebody sorts out the laptop and here we go. Johnny's here. Let's put him there. And at the end, it's when the meeting is over, everybody's like, Oh, Johnny, I forgot you were even there. You have any questions. Right. And, (laughs) And you're right, I, I totally can see the same thing happening in, in virtual where you have that, that group that is attending and then the online people are afterthoughts. They're really not, nobody's really is like, oh yeah, they're also there. Wave for our online audiences. That's that's such a uh, such a such an interesting point of of marketers thinking about how how that could that could change. And then the second point, yeah, interaction. That's a that's a big one. That's a big one. And I think, you know, I, I don't know how much time you've had or you had a chance to explore Club uh, Clubhouse, um, the, uh, the 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 Clubhouse app, where um, where there's a lot of interaction. I mean, they're they're blowing up in the U.S. and uh, and and there was a lot of noise about it. And it's a voice only social media where you know b2b companies are jumping on and uh it's it's there's a lot of interaction there are tons of interaction everybody can raise their hand and you can jump in and 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 have a conversation so that that level of in- taking into consideration the level of interaction i feel like it's, it's quite an important point
2: and i think i think the interaction you know and the connections it's one of the you know it's probably a part of the big reasons that people go to events and if if virtual events are losing that components then you know me watching a webinar has no difference between you know I'm listening to a podcast if I'm not having the interactions that's I guess that's the point I was trying to make here
1: yeah Yeah, if
2: we're losing the unique competitiveness of actually having events then your competitors all in a sudden it's just you know tripled
1: very sure very true. It's, it's a, it's a hard, it's a tough challenge. It's a tough challenge. So we, we talked about a lot of different points. Right, last thing I also want to want to find out is, you know, what what are some of the exciting initiatives you you talked about at zoom the the, 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 I forget the name right now, but the gallery option for, you know, happening during meetings, but what are some of the cool initiatives that are coming up at zoom that, that you can talk about?
2: Well, actually I'm really excited to let you know that, you know, Last year, towards the end of last year, at our annual flagship event, Zoomtopia, we announced our on Zoom platform. That's basically a marketplace for an immersive experience. So I think throughout the 2020 timeframe during June, June lockdown, what we have seen is a lot of people that start to utilize in Zoom to continue their business to stay connected and at the back of it, I think what happened is they realised that utilising technology like Zoom, what they can do is they can really extend their reach. You know, say if I am a yoga instructor and I used to run class for 20, 30, 40 people in my studio, but if I move it online, then all of a sudden I, my audience reach can go way beyond my suburbs. I can go to different countries, different cities, Everyone can join in a in a low-cost way. And they, that content still can be delivered easily and effectively. So we see that as an opportunity to really help our community to connect and survive and thrive. And that's why we are um, expanding this, basically announced this on Zoom solution. It's basically a comprehensive solution for Zoom users to create to host events like fitness class, concept stand-up communities, shows, music lessons, cooking lessons on the Zoom meetings platform. So you can basically, if you're a Zoom user, what you can do is you can schedule and host events, and then you can list and sell tickets. And then we have on Zoom as a marketplace platform to really help you host your events and then um, extend your reach into whoever's interested in a certain topics that you're hosting.
1: I love it. I love it. I mean, we're, we're a big fan of Zoom. I think we've been a Zoom customer since 2000 and either mid 2017 or 2018. And uh, I remember, I remember back then, I would say uh, to, to our accountant, uh, let's, let's jump on, let's jump on Zoom. She's like, I'll drive to your office. I'm like, no, don't drive to our office. Just jump on Zoom. She's like, what is Zoom? And, uh, and then, you know, a month into pandemic, I'm like, Hey, can we? Um, now we're in lockdown. Can we? Uh, h- how do you want to do it? She's like, "Yeah, we'll do it over Zoom." I'm like, "Oh my goodness, you're like sending me invites now." So it it is fascinating how Zoom completely took over in this period, and also the the. Uh, y- you're right. I mean, the adoption. I mean, even for us, we were we were half remote uh, before COVID. We went full remote after COVID, and but uh, and, and we have customers. Well, as an agency you know it's, it's not too hard we're not we don't we're not really bound to physical location but we had customers, we had a lot of customers in melbourne now our majority of our customers are across australia and the u.s and yes we had that before but also from the other side the acceptance is, is has gone up so it's it's a fascinating change in the market and uh and the thing it's it's for even though it comes with its hardships it's for the best now before we wrap up I have a couple of rapid questions I want to ask Iris uh, and uh, you know, we can, we can keep these short. If you want to give it a long answer, answer that's fun as well. But uh, should we, should we smash through them?
2: Let's do it.
1: All right. First rapid question. What is one resource? It could be a book, blog, podcast, or a talk, whatever it is that fundamentally changed the way you work or live. What comes to
2: mind? Um, first thing that comes to mind. It's a, it's probably more on the personal life notes is this tech talk by Brene Brown for The Power of Vulnerability.
1: Brene Brown. Yes, she is. She's a she's A, goldmine. a lot of insights. Mm. And she's killing it with her book.
2: Indeed, indeed. Um, also listen to her podcast.
1: Yeah. Dare, dare right to lead. Well. She's gold. She's gold. It's great. She's gold. Yeah. Okay. But, Question number two. Yeah, what was that? Did you want to say something else?
2: Yeah, so basically, you know, that's a... That's, a, that's basically a video clip or a presentation, a talk, you know, that fundamentally changed the way I live.
1: I love it. I love it. And
2: how I see the world. So if you haven't watched it, go and watch it.
1: We'll add the link in the show notes. Okay. Number two, if you could give only one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be?
2: Always start with your audience needs.
1: I love it. Number three, what are the influencers that you follow in the marketing space?
2: Well, I follow quite a lot, you know, as a marketers. So I think we naturally always in active serving. But I, I would say if there's one person that I'm gonna name here, it's going to be Rachel Botsman.
1: Rachel, what was that? What is the last name?
2: Um Botsman, B-O-T-S-M-A-N. So she's the author of what well, two books I read. Um the first one is What's Mine is yours. So she talks about um, you know, the share economy or what they call the collaborative consumption basically you know the, the fundamental principle behind business like ubers or airbnb mm. when you have a car that you drive every day to work um, with only you sitting there well everybody have a car that with three empty seats that are not being utilized and then she believes the future is really those resource into into you know in in their best optimized uh, consumption um that's That's what she was talking about in that book. And then later on, I think around 2018, she released another book called Who Can You Trust? And it's it's an interesting, I think, topic that, you know, we live in a time, I think trust is so hard to build. You know, we don't trust maybe a lot of people, I I wouldn't say, you know, on, on behalf of me, but I think we live in a society that a lot of people don't trust the authority, don't trust the government. Don't trust the newspaper, the media. There's a lot of businesses that they, there. they
1: interact with. Yeah.
2: Exactly. But in the meanwhile, that you can easily step into a total stranger's car and let someone, you know, let someone to drive you to a destination. That's a level of trust. So in that book, she talks about the relationship between technology and trust and how do we form it. And I think that's, you know, as a B2B marketer, that's um, extremely important to understand how technology can, can potentially facilitate trust and uh, how people actually build trust and what's the technology roles play there. So interesting book to read.
1: I love that. I'm going to check her, check her book out. I mean, you know, it's not, it does happen, but I I haven't heard of her and I'm definitely going to do some research on her, but uh, you know, I'm, 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 it's a topic I'm very fascinated about. Trust economy, trust as a currency, you know, it's, it's definitely a, very topical issue and uh, I'll definitely check that out. Thanks thanks for that recommendation. I got one last one last question and that is what's something that excites you about B2B today?
2: I think as you know, working in the B2B industry as well as working in as a marketer, I think never ever that we live in a time that we have reached data to help us to guide us in terms of making decisions and we have the technology to utilizing those data to have personalized conversation at scale and the possibility from there is huge you know we I think we're only scratching the surface right now in terms of building those personalized journeys for individuals or business based on their unique needs there's a lot more we can do there and um I am really looking forward to see, you know, looking forward for for a time that we will reveal the full potentials.
1: That's so true. That's so true. I mean, we're we do a lot of ABM campaigns, and especially when you come down, you know, when, when you come to that personalized campaigns, it's uh, the, the intent data that's in the market now and all the things that comes with personalization, it's a fascinating space. I I love that you said that. Well, Iris. Thank you very much. That's, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, if, uh, if anybody wants to reach out or want to know more, what's, what's the best way for them to do so?
2: I would definitely leave, uh, leave my LinkedIn profile link here. Hit That's you on LinkedIn. Hit me on LinkedIn.
0: Sounds good. Iris, thanks a lot. Thank you. Hey, it's Alex again from X-Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news, tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.